and welcome to The Trusted Advisor, a channel-focused podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solutions Providers Association. I'm Jim Roddy, back with you today. Thank you so much for joining us. This episode of The Trusted Advisor podcast is sponsored by Shift4 Payments. Shift4 is the leader in integrated payment processing, delivering a complete ecosystem of solutions that extend beyond payments to include a wide range of commerce-enabling services. Shift4's groundbreaking technologies help power the company's Harbor Touch, Restaurant Manager, Positouch, and Future POS brands, as well as over 350 additional software integrations in virtually every industry. Shift4's reseller partners benefit from disruptive pricing, the latest POS and payments technology, free EMV devices, and unmatched revenue opportunities, including lucrative upfront bonuses and an industry-leading revenue share. For more information, visit shift4resellers.com. That's shift, the number four, resellers.com. So on the podcast, avid listeners know we usually don't dedicate a full episode talking to just one person on our industry, but we're doing that today, and you'll see why. You'll learn in a little bit. We have a very special guest, Brady Nash. He's a self-described accidental entrepreneur and the owner and CEO of BNG Team, a technology solution provider headquartered in Fargo, Fargo, North Dakota. Brady, thanks so much for joining us today. Always a pleasure to talk with you. Yeah, you betcha. <laughs> don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me, Jim. It's always good, uh, you know, catching up with you. Great. And so, uh, you know, speaking about catching up, so this is not the first time we've talked. So you and I go back about five years or so when I interviewed you yeah. on the stage at the Retail IT VAR the Future Conference. I believe that was the one in, in Las Vegas, or maybe it was Chicago. Yeah. You know, everything all blends I, together. I think, was, I think it was Chicago. I just remember you had uh, somehow got referred to me as the first time we introduced, and you were going to have me on a panel discussion, and then you ended up making me one of those uh, – main stage, you know, speaking things, which is kind of fun uh, to, you know, when I look back then and how the industry's changed, it really was, you know, I think it was like retail IT VAR of the future. And it was people trying to transition to what we kind of started out in, which is really changing from project-based work to really a true recurring revenue model inside of the point of sale industry. Yeah. yeah. And so if we can talk about now, don't even just start there. Go back even farther. So I know a lot of your backstory, but can you share with our listeners how you got started yeah. and how you and your team have morphed the business over the years into what it is today? Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. And and, and, and you're right. It's so important to connect uh, with people, just familiarity, so they can can relate. And you know, North Dakota. You know, <laughs> uh, you know I uh, my parents were teachers and coaches, and I grew up in a small town. My my class was the big class. Uh, we had a really good athletic class. We had 28 kids in my class, right? So to give you an idea, you know, I think there was like 86 kids in the high school, you know? So I always joke when I said, you know, I was a five-sport athlete. Well, the reality is, is that they needed the bodies, <laughs> you know? So my parents were, you know, good collegiate athletes. My mom, she got a couple teams in the Hall of Fame for volleyball. She was recruited from Canada. My dad played college basketball and baseball. And so, you know, growing up, like sports is a huge part of my life. I know, Jim, you can relate, you know, you're a great basketball player and a competitor. And that's where a lot of my stuff comes from I love to compete win or lose you know I was uh, I would say uh, a good athlete in some areas had moments of greatness but I wasn't that great and like a, probably a lot of kids where they dream of being a professional athlete you know the idea of making money and playing a game and doing all those things and you know so when I was grown uh, growing up in life I wasn't interested in business I wasn't interested in sales I you know never thought about making a lot of really a lot of money outside of sports but when you realize that I'm a good athlete but I'm not that good well, Brady, you know, you get to that junior, senior year, you know, it's like, well, I could probably go play some college ball, but, you know, it's not going to probably go much farther than that. Like, what do you want to do in life? I had no idea. 
I really didn't. And I think that's relatable because I think a lot of kids go through, there's a lot of things you could do. You got your parents and family and people chirping in your ear and you don't really know. And all right, well, go to school, you go to college, right? To figure it out. And my parents said, Brady, you know, go into the medical field. Um, they were encouraging me to be a nurse. You know, I'm like, I'm not smart enough to be a doctor. You know, So I'm like, maybe, maybe I could be a nurse. I don't think I was smart enough to even be a nurse. So um, went to uh, uh, NDSU, North Dakota State, you know, uh, Bison in 2004. And was going into the medical field, not really knowing. I'm not, man, if I could somehow, somehow get my way through school and, you know, make the 40, 50 grand a year, I'd be so grateful and thankful for that. And what happened early on was I got uh, pitched on network marketing. I got, uh, and that's where my, my mind and things started to change. It was the concept of recurring revenue, right? Residual income is a concept of being an entrepreneur, moving from an employee, self-employed to the business owner, investor, the idea of leverage. Right. Uh, it was based upon, you know, the book of Robert Kiyosaki, the cash flow quadrant. Right. It's like you can get paid off your own efforts or, you know, the example they gave was like, hey, imagine the, the Walmart here in Fargo. The Walton family's probably never been there, but it's operating 24 seven. There's people in there. They're making money, whether they're eating, sleeping on vacation or, you know, whatever. I'm like, oh, it makes sense. You know, or if I wanted to, I painted in high school when I was 13 to 18. It's like I could, you know, work and make 10, 15 bucks an hour. But then I thought about what the owner was doing. Um, well, geez, he had have five people. He's you know paying 10, 12 bucks an hour. He's charging $25 an hour. He gets five or 10 of us working. I'm like, holy cow, he's making you know 150 bucks an hour. He's sitting on the couch if you wanted to. Now he, he would be out there with us working too or whatever. But the point was, I'm like, geez, that's really smart. So that's where my, my mind shift of really thinking about business in general and recurring revenue and leverage really came in. And I didn't know how I was going to do it. I just knew I wanted to be on that side. Then, of course, network marketing is, hey, you go sell these services. It was around technology. You know, it was services that people pay for monthly, like Dish Network and cell phones and Internet and vitamins. You guys have all been pitched on it, right? You understand the concept. You go and recruit people. You get paid off their services. Makes sense. And I was really good at it. You know, I'd say most people don't make much of anything in network marketing. I was part of that 1% of 1%, you know. Um, I was always good with people. I was that kid that had moved around a lot. And so I like making friends. And uh, so it came natural to me. The, the, the thing about network marketing is you're trying to pitch everyone in uh, a lot of the case, at least the business was, into becoming a business owner, entrepreneur. And the reality is not everyone's meant to be. You know, I believe, you know, that God's made us all different, uh, differently with different skills and different interests. And in that model, you're trying to get everyone to do it. I realized I was fit, but most people weren't that interested, didn't have the drive. You'd get them in. They didn't want to do anything. So I, even though I was having success, you know, I, uh, I ended up dropping out of school my second semester because I was making more than I would with my degree. And I really had a lot of passion and energy behind it. But I was getting really uh, disappointed that you'd get people. Most people didn't want to put in the effort. You know, I think, as you know, Jim, as someone that's a competitor, you, you know, yourself say, hey, you maybe didn't have all the natural gifts, but you just work so much damn harder than everyone else because you cared that much more. That's how I feel in business. It's like, I don't think I had all these amazing natural abilities, but I just worked harder and I refused to quit. And most people in a lot of these areas don't have that fight. Like I used to think, Jim, like I want to be a pro athlete. I can tell you unequivocally, I did not want to be a professional athlete. What I mean by that is people love the idea of something. But when you actually, uh, hey, you can be a pro athlete, but you have to do these steps. If you ever looked at, remember, like what Kobe Bryant did in his training? Oh, yeah. People are like, no, you can go do that, but you have to do this. Most people are like, I don't want anything yeah. to do with it. 
I don't want to train that hard. Four, run 14 that hours a day, yeah, in the weight no. room, you know, working out, like, all the time. He was working on his game, and people just don't want to put the time in. Yeah, you don't want to uh, eat what they have to eat. You don't want to have to train as often as they do. You don't have to be that focused. Like, I get it. I did not love sports that much to train that hard to get to the level that I'd have to do. And I think even now, you know, when people look at, you know, my life and we'll get more into that stuff, you know, I've got a beautiful life and five healthy kids and, you know, a business and self-made. It's like you're living. I do. I love my life. But I could lay down my path from when I was 18 to now. And like, here's all the stuff I did. Most people would be like, I want nothing to do with that. You know, I didn't go out when I was 18 and party. I didn't go like I focused. I was working 100 hours a week. I was obsessed. Right. And so what I've realized, a lot of people that have success you know, you see the the end thing and that looks appealing, but they don't understand all of that work that goes below it. And I think most people on here watching this can relate. They're like, yeah, people see these things, but they don't realize all the sacrifices I've made and mistakes and the grind I had to go through to get here. Right. So it's it's the idea of something, not all that work. And so what what, uh, you know, going back to, you know, going network marketing, I was getting discouraged and realized, man, I don't want to have to convince everyone, you know, because I was good at doing it. But then there was no effort follow through on it. So we got recruited. This is September of 05 uh, by a company to get into the payment processing field. And we got sold on getting paid every time someone swipes a credit card. So that's kind of where I got into the payment industry. And I saw an opportunity. I could go work with the business owner. I could help them reduce their costs and make recurring revenue. So I knew that I was going to drive and be successful because I don't have to convince anyone else to work. I could just do that. And so that's kind of where we got started there. You know, and then it was, you know, in that time, that's when free terminals were just coming out and people were still leasing a lot of credit card equipment. You know, so we looked really good when we were giving free equipment and other people were trying to charge them $2,000 for a machine that cost 200 bucks, you know. Uh, and so we uh, we really grew there. But, you know, being independent, being that age, we were going backwards, you know, doing free equipment because we weren't making that lease money. So. We did the Prax studies. Prax is a local company where you, I don't know if you guys have them, like you go into a medical study on a weekend, they'll give you different uh, experimental or placebo drugs, right? They give you a small dose and they want to monitor how it goes through your systems. Do you have any symptoms? So literally we do that for two weekends and make 1200 bucks. So when people say blood, sweat, tears, I'm like, we legitimately, like that's what we did and God knows what else, right? So <laughs> between, between that and using our personal credit cards between myself and my business partners to balance transfer, to get available to limit, like that's how we finance a business. My, our parents didn't have money. Uh, you know, I grew up in a trailer home a large part of my life and my other business partner, his parents were teachers. My other partner, his, uh, you know, his uh, parents were farmers. So like we, there was no safety net. It was just us grinding and hustling and reinvesting and, and kind of sold on this dream of building this recurring revenue, but it's tough. You know, thank God we didn't have kids to take care of at the time and we weren't married. So we could kind of do whatever we had to. Um, and when we got into payments, it just, okay, you know, we found a way we could save some people money, build a recurring, but it was becoming still at that time really commoditized. How do you provide value? Like, how do you, like, we have a cell phone, you know, and we think about how useful, even though we spend, you know, quite a bit of money on our cell phone, when you think about the value, it's like probably one of the best value props in the world when you think about everything you can do from email and phone calls and messages and pictures, like it's unbelievable the price point. But who's excited to pay that bill? It's a bill, right? Same right. thing in payments. I can save someone money, but they're having to pay two, 3% on their bill. They're not exactly excited about it. So 
for us, we really wanted to build good relationships. If you came to me, Jim, I wanted to provide value. So I'm like, how do I provide more value than just a bill? And so that's where in 2010, we're like, you know, really big accounts, we're going to run on point of sale systems. And if we could get in the point of sale, we could help them with inventory costs. We can help them remove, you know, shrinkage or stealing. We can help them run more efficiently. We can help them market. So we could be more of a partner in helping that business be successful. And then payment processing just came along with it, right? So we get the recurring revenue, but we could provide more value. And so a lot of our, you know, our history has just come down to trying to solve problems um, or finding a problem that's solved, but maybe we feel we could do it better. And so a lot of that thought is just trying to be open, wide-eyed and ask honest questions and give honest answers. And so that was 2010. And, you know, talk about, you know, the accidental, you know, entrepreneur of how things, things kind of happen. You know, the interesting thing about point of sale, which is, you know, a decent part of our business now, I don't know, it's maybe 10% of our overall portfolio now. Um, it used to be a lot bigger back then, but what happened was we got involved in the tech space and, and payments, everything is automatic recurring billing, right? Meaning we never had to invoice people. We just got paid off the residuals. So we didn't know better. We started this tech company. How hard could it be, right? Literally the name of our documentary or movie, like you just go like, we'll figure it out. It's kind of, you know, my, our mantra is you jump out of the airplane and I don't know if I got to make a parachute or a glider or I'm trying to build a, build a plane on the way down. I just have the confidence we'll figure it out so, so far. <laughs> Before you hit the uh, ground, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We've got more and more uh, confidence and better at doing it beforehand. But, um, you know, and so we started in that point of sale space and we had an AR problem. People weren't paying the bills. We do the work. They were happy. And then it was the, and I'm sure a lot of people listening can relate, the checks in the mail. I didn't get that invoice. Can you resend it? The, oh, you know, you know, Jill is out our accountant, you know, call back next week or she's on maternity leave or, you know, um, you know, I don't understand what this bill is and this, and then you have an argument back and forth. Okay, we'll get it. And then they still don't send it. So this game of having to follow up to get paid on something you already did was like, what the heck's happening? So we saw our AR go from 10,000, 20,000, 50,000, 100,000, like this is ridiculous. So we had invested into a CRM at the time called ConnectWise. It seemed like they had a really good product focused in this in this realm. And they were. It was a really good product, but it had nothing to do with getting paid. And so we had searched around and we couldn't find anything. And we're like, well, geez, we're in the payment space. We got to get like we should just build it, you know, um, something for ourselves because this is we've got to solve this. And so we did. And that so about 2011, Connect Booster got started. And we went to IIT Nation, which was connected to like big user conference. It was just two of us to kind of test. And we started, you know, networking with people. And it turned out everyone had this problem. But the industry, again, us being young and ignorant and not knowing better, people in the space had just accepted, well, yeah, no, I mean, you're going to be out 60, 90 days. And that's just kind of what it is. It's just kind of been, yeah, an acceptance. But it was a huge pain point. Also, what was happening at the time, Jim, because of the Internet, because of things like eBay, margins in the tech space were getting crushed. Why? Because you guys know they were going and price shopping. If, if I was buying from you, Jim, and you say, hey, Brady, I can get you this laptop. You know, it's going to be fifteen hundred bucks. Your cost maybe is nine hundred dollars. Like I can find it online for twelve hundred. Well, I didn't even know what I would buy. You did all the work. You found it. Here it is. And I went and took it and went and price shopped you to someone that's just discounting it out. So margins got squeezed, right? So you don't have as much. Now you're paying it. I'm not paying you right away. So now it's your cash on the line. Well, you're not a bank. You don't have that money that they do. And you do this over a bunch of customers. So people were getting squeezed or going out of business. They're trying to figure out how to pay their bills. 
all at the same time. So it became a bigger issue because their margins got slammed. Mm -hmm. So we really had to work on, besides developing the technology, it was actually the first, the mind shift in the industry since 2010 that we've had a change inside of the technology space. And so when we started going to these conferences and speaking, the first thing when we'd start talking about is before we talk about this product solution, I'm like, I want to talk about mindset. And I'd ask them, do you guys believe that you deserve to get paid? Yes or no? Uh, yeah. Okay. But not yes, yeah. Do you believe to get paid? Do you believe you deserve to get paid on time? Because if you do not believe that your customers aren't going to believe it. And so do you guys do what you said you're going to do? Do you provide the service you said you're going to do? You're doing yes. Yes. Okay. So I would argue as a technology facilitator, you guys control at this time, you know, is their internet, their phone, you know, their phones, their computers being up. If your stuff isn't working, their business is probably not working. You guys should probably be like the number one company that they're paying along with their power and their internet and the electricity, like super important. And if they called you and they, and they had a problem, you said, yeah, I'll get to it in 60 days. What would happen? So I'm like, you've got to change your mindset and understand you're providing a value. You've got to get paid. The first was getting them because they would make all the excuses in the world why it was okay. Their customers didn't pay them on time. I said, listen, there are exceptions to almost every rule, but that should be the exception right now. The exception was when they actually got paid on time. Like we need to flip that. Yes. It should be majority of the time you're getting paid on time. There's unique situations. I understand you and I talk about empathy where you've got a good customer, something might've happened. Yeah, I'm not saying you don't have a heart or you just fire a customer, but that should be rare in unique circumstances, right. not the norm. And so we really had to get the battle cry around that. And then it's like, okay, now we developed a solution that integrates with your CRM, that integrates with your accounting software and make it easy for people to pay you. It was amazing how many technology companies sucked at technology. I mean, when you're yeah. a tech company and the only way for me to pay you is by paper check, that's kind of embarrassing. I'm like, so you're a tech company. Yeah. So your job is to help businesses utilize technology for security and for automation to better scale the business. Yes. I can pay my uh, teenage babysitter electronically at the time, but I can't pay my local technology expert. Right. Right. They weren't taking their own medicine. Yeah. And we, we know that it's like the, you know, the, the painter's house that his house is never painted or the cobbler and the kids that don't have shoes. It's the like, it's literally that situation or there are tech guys that had credit card numbers on spreadsheets or pieces of paper. Yeah. Like it's, it would blow your mind how scary that is in these yep. niches. Right. And so they're like, Oh yeah, that probably doesn't look at I'm like, so don't you think you should use technology to get paid? They're like, yeah, good point. So we, you know, through the years, we now work with a couple thousand uh, customers and we know we move more than a billion dollars just inside of the technology space, Jim. Um, but it was, that was a mind shift and we had to, you know, we're the early adopters, you know, ch channeling that, that movement, you know, and for the last decade. And uh, so, you know, and then we just got into, you know, adding more value from recurring, giving your customer, if they want to pay, pay you online at 10 o'clock at night, they should be able to do that. They should be able to set up automatic payments. They should pay you by credit card or by check or by debit card, or you want to be able to pass through a, co a convenience fee or offer a cash or check discount, we allow them to do that. Just really trying to automate and streamline a full 360 of payments. Yeah. That's again, was trying to solve the problem, not just the bill, but how can we make your life easier? Because right. you know, even when they were billing, imagine if we're charging 150 bucks an hour and it went over, I did something, 
But now I spend another hour having to try to collect that bill. Did it make 150 bucks an hour or did it make 75? Right. I just cut it in half. What about sometimes two hours following up on it? Well, now you're making 50 bucks. So they're like, holy cow. And so the biggest thing, and I've worked now with thousands of entrepreneurs in all different industries. And I tell people, it's not because I'm so smart. I'm just exposed to it. When for 16 years, all you do is like you, you learn a lot from talking to people, listening. Who are the ones that have really grown? What are the right. ones that have failed? Like you just well, see trends. And, and who are the ones who are happy? Like I can tell you, you know, well, about the recurring revenue, you know, business model, those who are on that model and they were, they knew at the first of the month that their expenses were covered for the rest of the month. Talking to them, you could just feel that vibe coming from them that they felt way better about their business and other folks more in a, in a panic it, mode. It, it allows you to make mistakes in every month it's a reset. So it's like, oh yeah. yeah. Because like in business, the reality is we all make mistakes. We have ideas. We have beliefs or reasons, but you don't really know. You might feel pretty good. And I feel like through the years, I've gotten better because of that experience where instead of being 30% right, now I'm 40, 50. Now I feel like I'm probably 80%. Most of the time, my gut's telling me because of experience, I'm going to be right. Other 20%, I guess I'll make an adjustment. Oh, made a mistake. Learn that. Don't do that again. And, and, and you move forward. So the more shots you take, the better yeah. you're going to get. And I've always said uh, we were far more ambitious than we were smart, just yeah. not afraid to, to pull the trigger and actually learn. But to test and measure and learn from it. So what does BNG look like today? Like if you're, you know, the old elevator pitch in the days where you used to ride elevators with people, you know, when somebody said, what's BNG do today? How do you describe yourself? How many employees do you have? Uh, things like that. What's what's the quick version of BNG in 2020 heading into 2021? Yeah, so um, BNG team, we are really positioning BNG team as the holdings company, the umbrella. So it's not what we do, it's it's more about why and how we do it. So for me, I'm passionate about entrepreneurs and businesses. We are here to help entrepreneurs and businesses to help define what are their goals, where do they wanna go, where are they at, and help them along in that journey. We, uh, we said it's uh, literally the tagline, it's gonna be your business, your life, be the hero. We're here to just help guide you in that journey. And coming from a company that's bootstrapped from three kids, college dropouts to not having financial backing, we can relate to the majority of the people we're talking to that are in that boat. But we've grown now from three people over 16 years without ever getting venture capital. Um, we've made the Inc. 5000 list six years in a row. We're the only company in the state of North Dakota to win best places of work by Inc. Magazine. Now we've done it the last two years. Um, I'd like to see more companies in North Dakota make that list, right? And I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying it's because we've, we've gone through it. We, we figured out, I know how to grow organically. You know, we've, there's a lot of mistakes that we've made that we want to share in that journey. And, you know, so we have all these elements around what I've realized that why I love the accidental entrepreneurs. I believe most people, in my experience are that way. And I don't mean it as a slight. What I mean is a lot of, uh, whatever the trade is. People wanted to be a dentist. People wanted to be an electrician. People wanted to be a carpenter, a painter, or even a tech guy, right? They, it's like the, 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 uh, the story is the kid that grew up was good with technology, and they were the, the computer nerd, right, that learned how to operate the computer and set up the printer and the Wi-Fi. And all of a sudden, they were getting asked to set up their neighbors and their grandparents and their teacher. And all of a sudden, they started getting money for it. And they're like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like, I like doing this, and people are paying me. And all of a sudden it rolls into a business. All of a sudden, geez, I should have a company name. Geez, I gotta, I need to somehow get paid. I need one of those credit card swipey thingies. Um, 
QuickBooks, I got to track this stuff. There's taxes. Suppose I should have a website. Maybe I'll figure out how to do this website. Geez, I could use some more help. I should hire someone. There's all this stuff that people, when they get in, end up having to do as a necessary evil, but it's not why they got into business. And as you see them get to a point, probably 80, 90% of their time ends up being in all these ancillary products, but not their core passion of why they got into it, right? But they have to do it. So our thing is, what if we can help get that entrepreneur back to where their strength is, back to where their passion is, and help streamline and automate all these other things, things from web development to marketing, to you know accounting, to getting paid, to you know insurance, you know, can they have a trusted partner that takes that stuff that's important and necessary, but not where they make their money? They make their money serving their customers and their unique skill set and their unique value proposition. Not trying to figure out click funnels, not trying to figure out how to drive the email marketing and doing that. That's important, but it takes a lot of people. So at BNG, we've really built you know, at the, at the holdings level, it's the, hey, we want to help entrepreneurs get to wherever they want to go. You want to be a billion dollar company, a million dollar company, or you just want this, you know, a hobby business. Like this is what I want it to be. I really believe that that's okay. I have a huge problem with people that think that you have to have this million or billion dollar idea. I think it's wrong. I think that business should be whatever that business owner wants it to be. Define it because you got to know what you're going to put into it, right? So if you're going to have a bigger dream, a bigger goal, that's fine. But that just means the effort and the challenges are going to be a bigger task. So are you willing to do that? Yes or no? No, it's not a right or wrong answer, but be honest with yourself and make sure you're not set up for failure. It's, it's like, Jim, it's like, hey, you want to play high school basketball in small school? All right. Well, to be honest, you're probably already there because you've got enough ability. And we need the bodies. Bigger school. You got to, you know, you're going to have to train more like to do that. Okay. Right. You want to play college? What level of college? D3? D2? D1? Like what level? Now you're talking pro. Okay, you're talking overseas or you're talking NBA? Because there's different levels, man. Your commitment and skill level is different. It's the same thing in business. And it's not that it's wrong. There's nothing wrong with a D3 college. That's awesome. Yeah. But don't think that you want to play in the NBA and you want to practice a couple times a week. You know, right. the same thing in business. Don't think you want a $10 million company when you kind of want to do it after work. Or you want to, oh, I'll put a couple, of, like it's just not, it's not matching. You know, it's like saying I want to be jacked and but I don't want to have to change my eating habits. And I like pizza and donuts and I really right. don't like cardio that much. I don't mind lifting some weights, but cardio. Eh. Well, right. that something's got to give. Want I mean, six pack abs, but all you the only six pack you're handling is uh, is on the weekend. You're not doing any. Yeah, setup. So, exactly. So for me, the one of the biggest advice is that when I go and I speak to high schools and colleges and entrepreneurs, if advice I'd give to anyone is learn to ask yourself honest questions and give yourself honest answers. Most people need to learn to do that. And my whole thing is I'm not here to tell anyone what they should be or where they should go. I believe you got to learn to ask yourself that. So for example, a simple thing would be, you know, Jim, I'll ask you, you know, where do you want to be in 10 years? The path that you're doing, everything you're doing today, yes, anything can happen. Medical things, accidents, priorities can change, but Outside of those things, and you'll make an adjustment if that happens, you're on a track. You can see a trajectory of the track that you're on. Where are you going to be in 10 years? My question is, are you happy with that? Yes or no? And if not, why not? Like what part of it isn't exciting to you? What piece did you miss? And once you identify that, okay, so what adjustment would you need to make to change whatever that outcome is? That could be income. It could be a relationship with your family. It could be your health. 
whatever it is. So for me, I've had strong goals and reasons and a strong why, why I don't just sell the business, why, you know, we're at the point if I sold the business, I could pay myself 10 times what I do today at a very low interest rate with really no risk. Well, people are like, Brady, why the heck wouldn't you do that? Because I love what I'm doing. I love engaging. I love talking to people like you. I love to inspire people. I want to help people. And it's my why. Like I can't check out. It wasn't just for the money. I truly love the journey. I love seeing people succeed. And I felt that I've been blessed in, in, again, that accidental entrepreneur, my life could be very different. That if I've got the platform and the ability, if I don't need the money, I should be using my talents and skills to help people that do need it. Because there's a lot of good people um, that do need it. And my uncle, you know, not to get too philosophical, my uncle, you know, was a missionary. I grew up in a strong, conservative, Christian-based family. It's like, Brady, you know, we've got a lot of people that want to go to these places to help homeless people or people in need. But he's like, the actual problem is, is we don't have enough people with the financial means that are giving. And that was back when I was like 1920. The light bulb went off and I felt a strong yeah. pull that my position because I, I mean, I talked about yeah. going to be an evangelist, going and doing this. Right. I'm like, but I'm like, no, my position is, my skill set is I can help make the money and I can help support and give to these places that need it. So yeah. for me, the I, idea I was about, taught, the phrase I was taught was no margin, no mission, right? If you want to do all these other things, your business have to have a margin if they want to play a role in the community. You can't be, if right. you're going broke, you have to spend all the time getting the business uh, right. right size. So, so how can you take care of from. other people? Uh, how can you take care of other people if you can't take care of yourself? That's right. And so, That's so right. for me, it was that that idea. I think when you're a kid, oh, if I won the lottery, I'd hang out and just have fun and work out and play games. Like that was gone so long ago. It was as long as I'm mentally, physically able, I will always be pushing and driving. One, I enjoy the competition, win or lose. Just like you and I were going to play poker or pinochle or you know, ping pong, whatever it is, win or lose. If I lose, I, like, like, let's keep, keep playing. I want to get better, right? And so right. business for me is turned into a game. It's challenges. I love it 98% of the time. <laughs> There's 2%. I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I taking this right. on? But then that why always pulls me back. Yeah. Just like Brady, your life isn't that bad. You know, first wor world problems, suck it up. Yeah, there's tough decisions I have to make. Every day it's me problem solving. But I, when I understand why I'm doing it and the impact and influence I get to have because of the platform, because of the financial ability in the business, you know, that's the why. I want to prove, Jim, that you can take care of your employees. And what I mean by that is you can pay them well. You can not only be nice to them verbally, but actually put it through action. You know, we, we invest a lot into our employees, into their mental health from a personal level and a, a career level. So we have B&G Grow, which is focused on their career path, right? Like, how can we make you better? So we're always about giving people more education. We teach them how to sell. We you know we give them master classes, like we teach uh, Chris Voss, the art of negotiation. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. So he was a former head of uh, uh, FBI hostage negotiation. He was a former lead and he teaches the art of negotiation. So we're taking these college kids, right? That are in sales and marketing that haven't done a lot of sales. We're teaching them how to sell. Right. We're teaching them tonality. We're teaching them how to respond, whether they're with B&G long run or they we give them the skills and they can go somewhere else. We're trying to level them up, you know, and then the dream manager program. And now we call it B&G Inspire was the concept that do do other people have dreams and goals like B&G might be seen as mine and my business partner, Ryan. Well, do other people have dreams, goals, aspirations? And the answer is, well, yeah, everyone did. They might have forgot about them. They might be not be going after them. Well, do they matter? Well, yeah, I've said people matter. So I always 
call myself out. Like, Brady, if you're going to talk about it, you better be about it or else you're just a hypocrite. So I'm like, yeah, people matter. My team matters. Okay, Brady, what are you doing about it? So the idea behind Inspire is a dedicated person. I took a hired, he was a former CEO uh, or president of Real Truck before they had uh, retired, a, a veteran, um, really good mentor and brought him over literally just to sit down with our team and help them establish what are your dreams, what are your goals, and how can we help you achieve it? And really providing that goal, even if even at the cost of us losing a good employee, because maybe they want to start their own business. You know, we had some people that um, wanted to have a child, wanted to learn a different language. Some was I wanted to go on a trip. Some was to buy a home. Some was I wanted to advance my career. Whatever it was, how can we help coach them and provide that as a resource? And since then, it's evolved. I've got another person in there that's been perfect on it uh, for Inspire Nicole Church, and she's crushing it. So we invest into our people. We don't just talk about it. And so, you know, even the building that we're in, you know, uh, we've gotten a lot of national recognition and it wasn't the look how cool we are because we had good culture before, you know, but in this building, you know, it's we're not, we've got the, the slides, we've got the full gym, the movie theater, the basketball court, you know, we've got a holodeck, you can change the entire environment of the room, right? And people are like, well, why'd you do it? Well, it goes back to the story when we were college dropouts and everyone thought we were throwing our life away. You know, and literally, you know, my the girlfriend I thought I was going to marry, you know, broke up with me because I was never going to be able to financially support her and all of these things. Right. So it had this huge chip on our shoulder. And this is 04 or 05. So this is when Google was doing all their stuff and had slides in their building. So it was like one day, one day when we make it, we're going to have slides. So it's funny. You fast forward a decade later, and it's when we're going to build this building. It's like, are we really going to put slides? In <laughs> and it's like, guys, we had talked about it so much that it'd be hypocritical not to. And our role is inspiring people and businesses. So like, this is the story. So we've got three slides, you know, I, uh, well, not with my knee injury, but I, I was taking it every day before, um, you know, and people take it all the time. And it's something that it's funny, the amount of recognition, but it's the story behind it. It's not yeah. just the slide. It's, it's the dream that we, you know, we took the chances, we took the risks, we stuck to it, we stuck together and we made it happen. And I hope that it inspires others. And I want to show that you can take care of your team. You can take care of your customers. You can provide way more value than what you charge them. You can have fun, but also you can be profitable because I want a story that is compelling for other people. When they watch us, when they look at our history, be like, huh, because if you do it and you're a martyr, not that many people are interested. Oh yeah, you do all this. You guys make no money. It's not that compelling. I want to show that you can, have fun, treat your people well, impact the community. We do a lot of stuff of giving back. We donate hundreds of thousands of dollars to the community. Um, we have BNG Give, that our team are uh, dedicating a lot of time. Um, that's always been a big deal to us, but you can also make money. Because when I look back, again, asking myself the question like, okay, Brady, you've got the money, you've got more money than you ever thought you would make. You're super blessed. If I never made one more dollar, I'm super fortunate and blessed, right? So when you're 50, when you're 60, you're say whatever age, and you look back on your life, what are you going to be proud of? What are you going to regret? You know, so that's why I make sure I am spending time with my kids. I, you know, I talked to you before. I love being a dad. So that's super important to me. And I want to teach them what it takes. It does take hard work. There are challenges, but I also want to have that relationship with them. So I'm always asking myself these questions to keep myself in check, that right, that right integrated life, right? The right balance. Um, and so I want... My hope is that when my kids grow up and hopefully one day I have grandkids, that it wasn't how much money I made. Like if I die and I was worth a hundred million or 500 million or a billion, does it really matter? 
Like, mm-hmm. like really, like it doesn't. I think it doesn't matter how we did it. The people we impacted along the way, the people we inspired, the people we helped, you get to that level, you have more money than you need. Don't get me wrong, I wanna make more because that will allow me to give more. We have a whole, you know, a trust and estate set up where a lot of my stuff's actually already set up to be given away. You know, if something happened to us today, the kids would be taken care of. They don't just get a, a ton of money to go screw their lives up with. It's staged out. But also a lot of it's <laughs> being the old prodigal son kind of thing, yeah. right? Where they get yeah. everything yeah. and yeah. blow it off. So yeah, it's just um thinking about those things. And that's where I want to look back that, you know, I always look at if you die, what would people say at the funeral? I hope they say that I hope they look at and wouldn't say that Brady truly cared. They, they lived their values, they didn't talk about it, and we help open people's eyes and change the way they look at business and how to build a successful business is what I'm hoping we can be one of those pioneers in. And that's that's the drive. That's why I'm talking to you now. Yeah, yeah, I can say from, so a couple things from my perspective, you know, B&G is very much a beacon in the technology solution provider community in terms of like what you're talking about, the why, the drive, you know, anything that I see from a BNG standpoint, whether it's on social media or checking out your website or or talking to anybody, uh, you know, from your organization, that, that definitely uh, comes through. And I'll say if folks want more from Brady, um, Brady does have a, an online series called The Accidental Entrepreneur on YouTube. So you can go on to YouTube. Don't do it right now. But at some point, go on to YouTube and type in Accidental Entrepreneur. If you don't know how to spell entrepreneur, uh, just type Brady Nash Accidental, it comes up uh, as well. So uh, you can get more from from Brady in that regard. But I, I wanna ask you, um, you know, like I guess I'm asking myself a lot of questions as well and looking for things and about the why and the what. And in fact, you brought up earlier about helping other people I actually have like this is the only the wall behind me is the only one you can't see it on um, i'm in pennsylvania our lieutenant governor john fetterman had a quote that i just read and i posted it up on the three other walls and he says if you're good help someone else get to good and i was like wow i thought that's really helpful if you're good in one area like help somebody else get to good that should be like a guiding principle how do you with everything you have going on how do you steer what you're doing like somebody might have you know maybe mistaken your history that you were talking about of just jumping on one opportunity there's some element of that but there's also the planning i guess you know the folks listening to this are super super busy and they might think i can never do all that stuff well how do you keep your bearings how do you shape the path for yourself and for your organization going forward in this day and age with everything that's going on in general and everything that you have going on yeah perfect so first of all thanks for the accidental entrepreneur vlog you know, plug. Um, and that, you know, was the, the idea behind that was to try to help people thought process around some hot topics I know people struggle with and I did and just try to give some thought leadership and clarity for people. I've always said if I one person watches it and they get value to help, it's worth it. You know, whether I'm planting the seed or I'm watering a seed that was already there, people inspired me and helped me along the way going to conferences and shows. So that was the idea behind there. And I just try to make it a priority not to just kick out content for the sake of content. I want valuable content that can actually help people or provide some thought leadership. Um, uh, what was the next question? So there's that that you want to talk about. Um, uh, how do you, uh, the bearings in oh, terms of shaping bearings. your path with everything that's going so, on. It's not just like, hey, let's go do this. Talk about so, the, the planning and the philosophy behind it. So it goes a little bit back into being able to ask yourself good questions. But the uh, the thing that we follow, we follow, have you ever read the book Traction? Oh yeah, it's on on the so, shelf behind yeah, me. Yeah, absolutely. So for Is me, Gina Wickman? Yeah, Gina Wickman. So yeah. 
they talk about EOS, which is the Entrepreneur Operating System. And for me, it's the most significant book I've ever read um, because it actually gives the playbook in the process to follow it. So if you follow that, the biggest recommendation for an entrepreneur, visionary, growing business is to read that book and to follow it. Because when you're when you're smaller, and I think one of the things you want to talk about from you know people in process, when you are starting out, it is a little bit of the entrepreneur of you're trying to figure things out, you're creating. I would argue you don't get to have processes in that stage. You are trying to figure out what you should actually document. Because right now you don't know what's going to work or not. So there's an element of that's where most people don't do well. It's uh, that that chaos of trying and experimenting and failing and adjustment that most people, I would say typically like straight A students struggle because they want to know the answers and the boxes where they say most entrepreneurs are crazy. We're more like the BC because ah, I see shades of gray. I struggled in tests because how I interpret a question, I'm like, well, it depends on the context. They want an answer. My brain goes to, well, that's not necessarily true. Or sometimes potentially that might be a little bit better, but I could do it this way. like so I really struggled. It helps me in the real world, but wasn't so great when it came to time tests. And so because I always see the gray area of how you could do something differently. And so um, you know, EOS is a way to manage that chaos. It's helping you ask, identify problems. It's helping you identify opportunities. It's helping you then prioritize what's the most important stuff. And then how to make sure there's accountability. And that's why I love the name traction is it helps you get traction because there's all this stuff. And one of the things they talk about is stop being busy all day, accomplishing nothing. Jim, you and I could wake up if we clear our schedule. You, we could be busy reading, sending emails, taking random phone calls, catching up with people. We could be busy the whole day. But what did we accomplish? So the idea behind traction, they talk about it rocks. It's really your big goals is the the analogy is if you had you know they say rocks if you had some pebbles if you had some sand and water and you had to put it in a cylinder if you put in the sand and the pebbles and the water and try to put it it's actually going to overflow it's not going to fit but if you put the rocks in first the sand and the pebbles will actually fill in around it so the point is when you identify the most important things that you have to get done to help you get to wherever you said you wanted to go, whatever that goal was, you're going to get the important rocks or goals done first. All the other stuff will fill in. So all the conversations, the emails, those things will fill in. You'll get that done. But if you don't prioritize, you're not going to be getting done the most important things that are going to help you accomplish whatever that goal is. So um, the other thing in traction is when you're an entrepreneur and we have a lot of our stuff in, in our mind, that's fine. But when you get a team, and this is something I was very guilty of. I obsess. I think about it all night. I think about it all day. So when I come in and I'm talking to you, Jim, and you're trying to catch up, I could be frustrated. Like, come on, Jim, get with the, you're like, this is the first time you've even mentioned this. What are you talking about? And so I had to realize I need to slow down. I know I had talked about it. My, my team might not have heard it or, you know, a fraction of what I have. And so when you want to get momentum, it's about how do you get your team all on the same page? How do you get multiple people rowing in the same direction? How do you make sure you're not being meeting to death so your meetings can be effective inside of an hour, hour and a half, and it's super productive versus a bunch of random conversations that take several hours? So I really recommend following traction. It's it's a way to identify issues, to have accountability, even for the owner, because oftentimes we'll drop the ball. People are waiting on us, but they might be scared to say anything. Well, why? Because we're the owner. 
So it's good for you as the entrepreneur. It's good when you have business partners because it's not my idea or your idea. It's we're agreeing on the importance. And if we don't, now we can discuss it to get on the same page. So we're attacking the problem together. Yeah. There's a true uh, north. And once you know your true north, now we're just discussing about the different ways we could get there. Okay. And traction is going to help you do that. So I highly recommend, you know, looking at looking into EOS. You know, I literally I believe in it so much. Um, I literally worked out a deal to bring in a professional EOS implementer in my office just to help facilitate. Again, talk about problem solving for businesses that are our customers. I can help get them access to Patrick, which is a professional EOS certified trainer implementer to help people get on it and help them manage those meetings to get them to getting traction. Because yep. again, I just want to help them because they know how yeah. important it is. So if I can just add to the traction conversation. So I just published, you know, I've been reading books for many, many years. I keep track of the recommended reading that I have. That list is now 168 books long. And of the 168, the wow. number one book, and there is no close second, that solution provider owners tell me has been most impactful in the organization is traction. I'm not just saying that to be kind and agree with you. You're on a long list of folks who have said, man, that thing revolutionized my business. But it's not something you just read it one time, put it down and go, OK, like it is a methodology you need to follow. Uh, that, what that's traction? Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that there's a lot of great books and there's good nuggets and inspiration and good things you can grab. But this is a book to your point. It's not just, a, oh, yeah, that's great stuff. It's a here's the plan. Here's the follow. And that's why then you actually start implementing and rolling out and going back to it. So, again, get off that train. But it's it's amazing. So if they haven't read it or you're not implementing, I highly recommend doing it. Because, again, it's it's not saying what your goal needs to be. It's helping you say what is your goal, where do you want to go, and then helping you have a plan around actually actually, actually accomplishing you know that mission. Yeah, it's not swapping out a keyboard. It's changing your changing your operating system. So we have a few minutes of what what else, Brady? What else would you say helps you, you know, guide your organization forward? Because obviously you've experienced consistent growth. You have recurring revenue. I don't know if you want to share what percent of your revenue now uh, is is recurring. But I do remember when you and I talked, like to bring this conversation full circle five years ago on that stage, it stuck in my head. I've repeated it over and over. And you said, if it's not recurring and if it's not scalable, we don't do it. Like that's a guiding philosophy and that might seem good and we might get good margins, but if not scaling, it's not recurring, uh, uh, not scalable, not recurring, we don't do it. I guess, what are some other actions that you're taking that have helped, helped you, helped BNG, you couldn't help other entrepreneurs and business owners? Yeah, I think, you know, Simon Sinek, what he's got his stuff around why, that's so important. I think business is so challenging in the bigger vision. If you don't have a strong reason, like you're not going to have something that pulls you through. You've got to have a, it could be your family. It could be who you want to help and support. So something that's like, I'm not quitting. Like there's, it's not an option. If you have that, you're going to figure stuff out. You can't plan for every curveball or slider or screw, you know, the stuff that life's going to throw at you, right? You just know you're going to make adjustments and priorities can change. Medical stuff can change. Uh, marriage, you meet someone, uh, a kid event, you know, happens. So being able to always step back and reflect on what is important to you. And then once you define this is important to you, make sure that your actions are following what you're saying is important to you. Don't set yourself up for disappointment. So many people say something and then their action doesn't merit. So there's no way you're gonna hit. So you're going to be disappointed. So either change your expectation or change your input. Do one of them. 
I'm not saying you have to be motivated and make a ton of, I'm not saying that at all, but just don't have this hope or expectation that you're going to get there without following it. Like be honest with yourself. That's all, you know, and yeah. if you have a big aspiration goal, surround yourself with people, you know, I'd say, you know, copy people. I'm a big fan of who, who do you take advice from? For example, I have, this is what I've done. Here's my history. I can give you advice based upon what I've done. And I've proved that I probably have some credibility in what I'm saying. I'm not a doctor. I think we look at professional athletes. I can appreciate their platform and I'm a big, you know, pro athlete fan, but I don't know necessarily I, you should be taking their political advice, no, no matter whether they agree with you or not. Why? I'm just saying like, how much experience do they have? You shouldn't listen to a doctor maybe. And they want to give the coach, you know, advice on coaching basketball and they've never coached a team before. So I think we give a lot of people that are an expert in one area expertise across all brands. And I think that's a problem. That doesn't mean they can't have an opinion. I'm not saying their opinions don't matter. They shouldn't be able to express it. I'm just saying, if you want to be somewhere, like you want to be a billionaire, I'm not a billionaire. You should probably go talk to someone that's done that. Maybe one day I will be, maybe I won't. I don't know. That's not really my drive, but go talk to people. Be careful who you take advice from. My dad was a good coach. He's a good high school coach. Be a good person to talk to if I want to coach high school. If I want to go collegiate, should probably go talk to and find a good collegiate coach. I'm just saying, watch who you take information from and make sure there's someone that's in a position that should be giving you advice. I've always said, my parents love me. They're going to give me the best advice that they can. My dad's never been a business owner. He Not saying the advice he gave me would be wrong. He might actually give me good advice, but I could probably find someone that has done it, has been through it, has that real tangible experience that can give me really solid advice because they've gone through it. So just be mindful when you're taking advice on anything, who you're getting advice from um, would be one of my biggest recommendations. And can I ask if you don't mind, like one of my closing questions, so like how do you get advice? How do you get, you know, to steer your business? You have your business partner, you can bounce ideas off of, what do you do in order to make sure you, you keep up to date? Is it a combination of talking with your people, talking with your customers, reading books, seminars, coach, like what, what is it? Can you share that formula with us? Yeah. So I think you're right. You know, I've gone to conferences, uh, shows, you know, podcasts, uh, you know, try to listen to and which is hard nowadays, you know, especially when you can't trust everything that you read. And, you know, again, not getting political on either side, however you want to do it, there's problems and misinformation. So I really try to step back and think critically about what they're being told and their angles or, you know, the money trail behind whatever someone's promoting to make sure I understand it. But, um, you know, I look for I look for people that have had the success in, in different areas, people I trust, people that I can see from the outside, people that don't have a financial gain trying to influence me one way. Right. If there's an influence, you got to take some bias into that. Right. Um, you know, I just try to ask good questions. You know, I try to look at the, someone's history, their integrity, their background and financial motives. Um, and then you just try to get a clearer picture. I try to, you know, I'm more central. I maybe lean right politically, but I've got a lot of my best friends and, and family members that are left. I've got people that are far. I try to be very central and I think most people are, but in today's world, the extremists get blown up and I believe it's causing division in the country. I try to be more empathetic towards people understanding that most people are not inherently wrong or evil. Most people have a perspective and experience to why they think or view something in a certain way. You know, Honestly, so I try to looking for you're looking for the yeah. folks, uh, folks with experience. Yeah. Even like parenting, most people love their kids. They're not trying to mess their kids up. Doesn't mean they're not 
doing things that you and I would look at and be like, what are you doing? Parent your children that they maybe didn't have that growing up. Right. They don't know any different. They didn't have yep. the tolerance or the skills. So I try to always empathize and then try to not judge, um, but try to help. Yeah. No, and I, I think remember, if you come from that spot, that's huge. I remember I had a couple of managers who reported to me and they were talking about how some of the people working for them weren't as driven as they were and like what techniques can they do in order to get those people really driven. I'm like, well, did you learn anything here on the job that made you driven? Or did it come earlier than that? And they're like, oh, it was way earlier than that. I'm like, okay, well then you're, that's probably the spot that you're in. But yeah, you've got to figure out where do people come from and align yourself with the folks who are gonna, gonna help you're you right. accelerate. I, I look at it as be careful who you surround yourself with. Um, I say, you know, I call it stacking the deck in my favor. I feel like I'm cheating at life. One of the things about being an entrepreneur is I get to choose who I put around in my circle, my group. They say, what's the the, the saying? You're a combination of the top four or five people you hang right. out with them from mannerisms, your language, your views. So I'm like, make sure that's a good five people. <laughs> you know, I'm not right. saying you cut people out of your life and maybe sometimes if they're really toxic, you need to, you know, they say, love your family, choose your peers. Um, but like stack the deck. I want people that have a good attitude, that are inspiring, that are smart, that if I have a bad day, they're going to pick me up. So stack the deck in your favor. And for the whole company, we're about 150 employees. I bet on people. In our world, you can learn skills. You can learn all the technology. In fact, it's changing. So I'm looking at the fundamental core values of someone. Do they have ambition? Do they have integrity? If I can't trust you, I don't care how smart or talented you are. You can't be here. Trust is like it's a non-negotiable, right? It's not a yeah. sometime thing. It's an all the time thing. You know, I want people that are happy and grateful. What I mean by that is it's not that you can't have a bad day or it's all sunshine and rainbows. It's generally they're a positive person. They're not looking to be angry, looking to be negative. You know, it's the you bring in donuts and the well, you didn't get the one I want. You know, just That's someone right. that's always got a negative. Like they can't be here because they just that's suck right. the life out of a building. You know, I've learned, you know, this is just an, an analogy to, to, to make the point, but there's maybe 80% of people that are followers. There's 10 and 10% that set trends. 10% of people can suck life out of a room and set a negative tone. There's another 10% of people that come and create energy and positivity and inspire and engagement. 80% of the people, in my opinion, adapt to their environment of those leaders. So I try to find when I can the people that bring in the light, bring in the energy, bring in the ambition and the drive and the let's go. And I try to make sure I don't get that negative 10. If I do that, the other 80% tend to mimic and follow their environment and that energy. So that's one of my biggest fears as we grow, especially if we acquire other businesses that I didn't get to handpick those people. And that'll be some of the challenges as we grow is that culture, my biggest fear, not enough where I don't want to grow, but it'll be one of the biggest challenges is keeping a culture as we grow and you got to make those adjustments. So. Yeah. Make sure you have energy elevators and not soul suckers because they're going to pull you. They're going to pull you one right. way or the other. Yeah, I so. to start over. Who do you want to, who do you want to work with? Like Jim is yes. like, I know if uh, you're just one of those people that I'm like, man, if we had to go and start up, I knew we'd figure it out. There's challenges, adversity. It's the, yeah. man, you do this, I'll do this, I'll help you here. Like, it's just a collaborative, do whatever it takes. Yes. That's what I'm looking for in people. Got it. Not I that that's, it. Not my, that's not my job, that's not my role. Like, those type yes. of people are like, fine, go do your own thing. Best of luck. 
Yeah, they can they can go work for somebody else, right? You can still be friends with them or be cordial with them, but they can go work for somebody else. So uh, my last question for you, we always ask our guests if they can recommend a book to read, an online resource to follow, a podcast to listen to. We've already talked about uh, your series, The Accidental Entrepreneur. Again, I consume that on, on YouTube. You also mentioned Traction uh, by Gina Wickman and then also Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Any other resource that you would recommend, again, to the business owners, entrepreneurs, DeVars, and ISVs listening? You know, uh, you know, there's a additional stuff from Traction. There's like Rocket Fuel, and they have additional follow-ups that go into. I don't know if you read those, or or why the what the heck is EOS, which is good for employees if you get on it. Um, one of the good things that I would find on YouTube is there's some really good. I'm trying to think of it. There's like Motiversity. I, I'm a big Tony Robbins fans because I think he understands psychology really well. Um, there's some of those that are short five minute, 10 minute, 40 minute type things that, man, it can really fire you up and recenter your motivation. So find some good videos on YouTube or podcasts where you've got the stuff where they almost kick them out daily. Like the five minute you can listen on your way to work that just like, man, can get you fired up going into the day. And I think it's repetition. You know, it's uh, you don't go to the gym one day left hard and you get jacked. It's it's consistency. You don't read a book one time and all of a sudden now you're smart and educated. It's consistency and reading it over and over, you know? And so again, establish where you want to go, find people that have good advice and are where they they are, where you want to be and copy the heck out of them, you know? So keep, be mindful of what you put in your mind. You know, you watch horror movies and bad movies. You're going to be more paranoid and more scared. You watch more (laughs) positive You can influence yourself. So how do you want to influence yourself? But just be mindful that it does affect you. Same thing with music. You listen to angry music. Like I used to listen to hard music when I lifted. Why? Made me angry and I push hard. True. Also affected my attitude, right? If you, you know, it's amazing how music can change even how we feel and our energy. So just be mindful of what you want. Got it. I love it. Fantastic. Well, Brady, that was great. And to our uh, listeners and our viewers, we hope you enjoyed our discussion today. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the RSPA YouTube channel and the Trusted Advisor podcast so you never miss an episode. We'd also appreciate if you'd rate us wherever you find your favorite podcast. My personal philosophy is the more stars, the better. And if you'd like to learn more best practices for VARs and ISVs in the point of sale channel, check out the RSPA blog. You can find it at gorspa.org and then clicking on RSPA blog. Before we go, again, thanks so much to Brady Nash for sharing his wisdom with us today. Thanks also to RSPA Marcom manager Chris Arnold for his production work, Joseph McDade for our music. And we also want to thank our spawn, platinum sponsors for RSPA for 2020, Blue Star, Heartland, ScantSource, and Shift4 Payments. And last but not least, thanks so much to you for listening. Our goal at the RSPA is to accelerate the success of our members in the point-of-sale ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. For more information, visit our website at gorspa.org. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, everybody.